Welcome to Least FM. Uh, today I'm joined by Lorna Bennett Samadas, a life coach, meditation teacher, yoga, and bar instructor who celebrates people turning themselves on mentally, physically, and spiritually to live their passion and purpose through freedom and connection. I met Lorna about a year ago when I was just getting into my meditation practice, and I knew that we were soul sisters from the day she brought me out for lavender chai latte, (laughs) which is, I'm addicted to those. Um, Since then, she's compiled and released a new and exciting project called Week of Zen, which we will talk about. Hello, Lorna. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Lise. It's great to be here. It's really, really great to have you. And it's, I've you know, I've done musicians, and I've done filmmakers and writers and I'm really excited to kind of change things up and try something new this episode um do a little bit of a life coaching meditation mindful stuff um, awesome I'm honored to be your first life coach <laughs> it's on the program so great to have you um let's talk about you first let's just get a little basis of where you're coming from where when did you start life coaching? How do you even like start to life coach? I feel like it's something I would want to do, but I feel like I don't, you know, do you have to be a certain age? What was your, what was your journey to that? That's that's a great question. No, life coaching is kind of a cowboy, cowgirl field. So you can, you can get into it anytime. Um, My journey, my road to life coaching was not a straight path at all. It was kind of a curvy one. Um, In college, I studied journalism and English. Wow. Yeah, I Familiar actually to thought me. I wanted to go into broadcast journalism. Really? So, uh-huh. Yeah, so thank you for bringing me back Of home. course. <laughs> so what what was the what was your experience there? Did you ever work in I a- I did not. No. I um, you know, I really did fall in love with writing and ended up being steered more toward public relations, which is what brought me to Chicago. So, I'm a Hawkeye, went to the University of Iowa awesome. and then graduated and ended up in Chicago in the agency world. So working in healthcare, public relations was where I went. Um, And did that for a while and really, you know, recognized aspects of that that I loved and uh, aspects that I did not love so much and ended up going back and getting my master's degree in education because I knew that I wanted some kind of a change in my life. And that led me to working at Children's Memorial Hospital which was a beautiful hybrid of marrying so many things that I loved. I got to um, do a lot of writing, do a lot of public relations type work, but also got really involved in um, partnering with the uh, Human Resources Department and getting more involved in employee trainings, for example, doing cultural competency, and really just becoming more of a change agent within the organization. So I would say that was the beginning of me being really passionate or getting more passionate about, you know, what makes people tick and what makes people really feel fired up and motivated in in their jobs and, more importantly, in their lives. Um, So, you know, that was really the beginning of playing with and playing into some of those energies, I would say. And that was also when I got married and started having children. So there was a lot of change at that period in my life. And during that time, I had always been interested in yoga and meditation. But I would say just kind of, well lightly practiced yoga mostly as a form of exercise right and something to offset the intensity of what I also did which was a lot of running totally a lot of long distance running um so 
it really wasn't a spiritual practice for me. Um, and I kept failing miserably at meditation. I pretended, you know, when it was a yoga class or, or a workshop that I attended. But, um, you know, that did not go well for me. It was impossible for me to still my mind. It was impossible for me to, usually to even still my body. And being kind of a type A personality, especially at that time in life, it was frustrating for me to want to be successful. I wanted to be really good at meditation, but it just wasn't wasn't happening for me. Um, but I got very into yoga at that time in my life, which led me to uh, pursue a yoga teacher certification. How was that process? Um, beautiful and intense and life-changing. Were you still working at the Children's Memorial Hospital at that point? I was slowly weaning my way off of that. Okay. You know, um, again, having children, I transitioned transitioned to working part-time and did that for a while and thought that I could seamlessly continue that when my second child was born and maybe even when my third child was born. But, um, you know, our, ch- our children are wonderful teachers and so many things in life. And what my children taught me was that I was no longer in control or could no longer uphold that illusion of control. Yeah. So my, you know, my life was not my own anymore. My schedule was very unpredictable and I eventually needed to let go of the scheduled work with children. But, you know, children's, that was a great time though for me to dive into yoga. Yeah. Um, Maybe to surrender to it is a better way to say it. And yoga brought me to the Daily Method, which is the exercise uh, bar franchise studio that I ended up opening, right in, in Elmhurst. Elmhurst. Yes, and, and how long that you... journey slowly but surely brought me to yeah. life coaching. Wow. Okay, so yeah. it was through the. <laughs> what was your first? Who was your first student? You don't have to say by name, but yeah. you what mean kind of a coaching student? Coach, yeah, coaching student. How did that all unfold? Well, my first coaching clients were, in fact some of my students from the daily method and I and from yoga teaching and I think that how that unfolded was just very naturally and organically in that my teaching style involves a lot of uh, incorporating life messages and being really intentional about offering some kind of a theme and weaving that theme throughout the class experience, whether that be in a yoga class or even in in the daily method. So students, I think, would connect. I would connect with students, and students would connect with me and with whatever themes that we were really practicing deeply with. Um, and often that would organically lead to conversations. Um, you know, wow, I had a really profound realization when you were talking about this, or, you know, I really connected with this idea, but I want to go deeper into that. And how do I practice this? And most of the questions centered around how do I make this experience of this class, this hour, my life experience? How do I take it beyond, you know, these studio walls and make this work in my life? And those questions were always so good And so fascinating to me, and I never wanted those conversations to end. I really wanted to just keep going deeper and deeper into them. And that's what 
made it more and more clear to me that that was something that I wanted to create space for in my life and that that was, um, you know, something that I was able to offer people in terms of supports for their own growth and transformation in life. Totally. So your training for being a life coach, was there any? Is there an official life coach training? Well, that's why I say it's, um, you know, I think we may see this change the way we have seen, you know, yoga, the the whole practice and teaching of yoga evolve and it continues to evolve. But right now I say it's a cowboy field because, you know, Lise, you could print a business card right now that say life has coach. your name <laughs> and Uh-oh. it says life coach. You are moving. And, so uh, And if someone's willing to hire you right. and entrust <laughs> you with their life. I don't know about that. Um, so no, and it's funny and interesting, although maybe this is the case with anything. You know, when was last time someone really asked you about where you went to college or what your right. major was? No, exactly. Or, you know, we, we tend to not go there so much in life. But you don't need a certification program to become a life coach. I was drawn to one, again, very organically. Um, Tony Robbins is someone who I've always followed and appreciated. And one of the things that I appreciated about him and – felt that I could grow from was that he did have a lot of structure mm-hmm. and um, you know really specific strategies and mechanisms for having coaching conversations and I liked that there was that structure and that framework there because I tend I was tending. I went from being very type A to letting the pendulum swing in my Isn't own that life. Funny. I was tending toward being really freeform, yeah, and really organic in how I wanted to approach things, um, which I still am. There's in I mean, life there's coaching conversations, right? But right. it's also now great that I had the structure and support of this certification program. Um, the program is called Robbins Madonnas. Okay. Training for coaches. Um, so I'm grateful that yeah. I have now all of that knowledge and all of those tools. And um, he's really big on metaphor, as am I, using metaphor. Give me an example of one of your favorites from him. Ooh. From him? Let me think on him. One of my favorite metaphors, though, and you know we'll talk about this a little later when we talk about meditation but one of my favorite metaphors for meditation is i like to think of mindfulness and meditation as a surfboard in that most of us in the ocean of life are just kind of bobbing around out there <laughs> and we may not even be aware that we're in this ocean we're certainly you know not aware that there are any surfboards to jump on so we're bobbing around out there and all of these waves of life are coming so you could use the metaphor of those waves being thoughts you could use the metaphor of those waves being um, life events or emotions let's just go with emotions so I'm this bobber in this ocean of life and here comes the wave of anxiety. And if I'm like most people, and this you know, was me and still can be me, if I'm like most people, that wave of anxiety is pretty terrifying as it's approaching, and I feel really powerless. So I'm doing my best to just stay afloat. Right. And often that wave is so powerful that it really takes me under. And there's no understanding or awareness that I'm not this wave. So I become anxiety. And, 
you know, our language reflects our predisposition or our tendency to identify so strongly with our emotions that we say things or we hear people say things like, I am depressed. I am anxious. Yeah. I am sad. Whatever. And isn't that just interesting Interesting. and different? And, you know, these are nuances of language, too, but they're important nuances. Different than saying, I'm noticing a wave or I'm noticing an energy of anxiety coming at me. Yeah. I'm experiencing this wave of anxiety, which has a whole different flavor and feel to it than I am anxious. I even think... Like right when you said I am anxious, I think Spanish, the language, I don't know if you speak Spanish, but there's a little bit of two different. Okay, well, there you go. I don't know about (laughs) French, but there's two different um, verbs to use for am. There's ser, I think, and estar. So ser is like I am, and that's like a permanent state of being. So like Mm. soy, lisa, and, you know, soy una hermosa, I'm a woman. and then there's a, a star, which is temp- more temporary. So oh, that's fascinating. estoy contenta I is that. I am happy, um, which, you know, hopefully it's actually soy contenta. But I guess <laughs> we're saying that there's in that language, like the emotions aren't permanent. Yes. That's, that, well, there's but a recognition like, yeah. that's fascinating, a right. recognition. And I, I love diving into the nuances of different languages, totally. too. Um, a recognition in Spanish, it sounds like of a separation between who we are and what we're experiencing. So, you know, back to that, you asked my favorite metaphor. Um, Meditation and mindfulness, let's just stick with meditation, is my reminder or my surfboard Mm -hmm. that I can jump on. When I practice meditation, I'm using it as a tool, as a surfboard to ride all of these waves as they come. And meditation, when I'm on that surfboard, helps me remember I am not the waves. I am the surfer. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily change the experience. I still, as a surfer on my surfboard, Mm -hmm. feel the wave of anxiety coming. It's still scary. It's still terrifying. It's still big. It has that same energy. But rather than bobbing around in it or rather than being taken down by it, Mm I surf it. And that's really a meditation metaphor. That's awesome. That's really, really great. Um, and again, it's kind of like so many people just don't even think to examine that because yeah. Yeah, it's just this Western world that we live in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get to your four fundamental M's, <laughs> um, your platforms awesome. of your practice, your life, um, which I, I love and I, I'm excited to learn more about. Um We'll go mindfulness first. Does that awesome. sound good? Perfect. Okay. So yes. can you just define mindfulness for me? Because yes. not everybody really knows the difference between that and meditation. Or... Yeah. I'll give you the, the most simple definition that I like to use for mindfulness is mindfulness is paying attention to what you're doing as you do it. Huh. <laughs> Sounds really simple, right? I'm and, just like, and you're laughing yeah, because well, it's not. No. Right? I mean, even like today, I was in the Pride Parade, right? And walking around with like my best friend um all my coworkers, and like half the time I was on my phone and there's like thousands of people around me by the end my phone was dead so I was like okay cool I'm in the moment now but but it's just especially the technology but I mean I know even before technology had such a huge you know place in our lives it, yes people are just not programmed to be mindful 
we're not. We're not. Um, and, you know, if we just did a simple exercise, I mean, you just did it, but of kind of saying pause mm-hmm. right now and for myself, for you, for our listeners, just noticing where our thoughts are. Very often our truthful experience is they are not here. We are not present. We are not in this moment. I'm thinking about what happened earlier today at the Pride Parade, or I'm thinking about what is to come tonight, what I still have to do, you know, when I get home tonight or what's coming tomorrow. Yeah. And that's called being human. That is the experience of being human, um, to have that tendency to not be present. That's also our primal brain at work. But mindfulness is a practice. It's something, it's many, many micro practices, really. It's things that we do throughout our day to ground us back into this moment, into our bodies, and to be aware of our thoughts, our physical body experiences and sensations, and our emotional experiences in any given moment. And when we're mindful, when we practice mindfulness, what we're doing is we're inserting a pause between reaction and response. Without mindfulness, going back to that kind of, you know, bobber in the ocean metaphor, but we're just powerless. We, If we live in primal brain all the time, which many of us do, it's a way to live your entire life, you know, I, I'd love to know a percentage of the population oh, that never sure really wakes up and, a big and one. yeah, and and lives in primal brain all the time. You know, it's it's a we're it's hardwired in us. We don't need to feel bad about primal brain or hate on our primal brain because our primal brain keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. Our primal brain is the reason that I didn't thankfully get hit by. A car on my way into the studio parking lot here. <laughs> okay. Um, so you know nice. we we need our yeah we need that fight or flight yeah. primal brain to keep us alive. So reaction is a healthy and good thing to have. Where we get into trouble is our primal brain cannot distinguish between any kind of triggers, any kind of stress triggers. Mm-hmm. So my primal brain does not know the difference between I'm about to get bowled over by a semi truck rounding that corner and I'm so nervous about this interview that you know I'm I'm not Lisa's yeah, so welcoming and sweet but you know <laughs> I'm so nervous about something that's coming up that right. I'm I'm cold sweating I'm having the same reaction physiological response yeah. in my body as if I were about to get hit by a truck so you know an argument with a partner can trigger that fight or flight reaction a stressful conversation with a boss, any stressor can trigger fight or flight primal brain. And if we're not aware, if there's no mindful, intentional pause when we are triggered, there is no room for response. So we walk around in this sympathetic nervous system state where our blood pressure you know, cannot be regulated, our breath cannot be regulated, our heart rate is going crazy. It's, it's a literal stress response. Mm-hmm. And many of us live there all the time. So mindfulness gives us a pause. And mindfulness gives us practices for inserting a space. And simply by taking a breath and, well, I'll give you some specific practices. But there are very easy, simple practices that we can do that return our body 
like that into parasympathetic nervous system where everything works exactly as it's supposed to. Our breathing regulates, our blood pressure regulates, um, all body systems are operating optimally. But it's a lot of work to be there. <laughs> Mindfulness is. Yeah. How did you find... It's, it's interesting. Yes yeah. and no. I, I, I agree with you and I don't in yeah. that it's a lot of work to walk through life not no totally it's hard so ultimately ultimately mindfulness brings us a state i'm not going to say happiness because if we actually look at that you know we don't want to live in a state of stress um but you know when people say what's the goal what would be the ultimate goal most of us say i want to be happy i want to be happy i want to be happy and i'd actually love to bring some sexiness back to the word content Yes, I was because just it's say. a super boring word. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Like if you and I were catching up for the first time, and I said to you, "How are you?" and you said, "I'm content." content. <laughs> I don't know. You know, bored. I might be yeah. kind of like, hmm. Actually, right now, I would be super turned on yeah. by that. I'd be right. so excited that you totally. use the word content that way. Um, but that contentedness is the optimal state for our body. I think of that's Dr. where we want to be. Because Dr. Weil, my my dad is a big. You know, Dr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big fan. And he's read all his books from the library. Um, and he would tell me about that whole contentedness thing. I think, you know, he probably had a whole book on it. Um, and how it's kind of like people seek this euphoric yes. happiness. but Which is a with, stimulated state. Exactly. But then so is, you know, its counterpart would be, you know, down in the dumps, depression or sorrow yes. or yes. anxiety. So it's the middle road, which is a, a very Buddhist concept. Yes. Um, but how, how did you find mindfulness? Like when, when did you become that? When did you become aware of it? And what, what kind of tools did you use um, or would you suggest people to use? That is a really good question. I don't – I'm going to have to think about that and come back to if I even have memory or awareness of the very first time I heard that word. But – I do remember through physical practices, the physical practices of yoga did bring me to that awareness. I had to experience in a, in a physical way that awareness of finding that place where I was always okay. So, for example, in a, in a yoga class, yoga teachers always – we all love to talk about how yoga is all about feeling good, and that's how I'm going to sell you on coming to my class, right? Oh, you'll feel so good. You'll feel so good. But, you know, I'm going to tell the truth on this program right now. Yoga is not about feeling good. Yoga is actually, if we look at the physical practice and what we're putting people through, it's a series of increasingly difficult body postures that feel more and more not good. Yeah. <laughs> they, you know, they become more, oh, you, you've got that. You have the option of doing this. And right. how about this? And how about this? Yeah. And I just keep leading you to, you know, play with the boundaries of what your body can do and building that intensity. But what's beautiful, so I, I joke sometimes that the best part about practicing yoga is stopping. <laughs> it's when you're done. That's, That's when it feels good. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> when you're leaving class. <laughs> the space is in between or Shavasana. Yeah. yeah, when you're done, yeah. when you're done, when you're integrating it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, if you practice yoga long enough, my wish would be for you that you're not in a perpetual state of suffering in a yoga class, but that you can be 
in this incredibly physically challenging moment, the same way you can be a surfer at the pinnacle of a really intense wave. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's this you that is watching it all. Like there's this me inside me Mm -hmm. that is feeling my thighs on fire, that is feeling my glutes on fire, that is feeling how badly I want this pose to end. Right. But that me is able to say, I am experiencing all of this intensity right now and I'm okay. Yeah. Like there is this me there that no matter what is always okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's an expression in yoga, the pose begins when you want to leave it. And I think that's a neat thing to, to play with and practice. I'm reminded of your class, your daily Zen class, which is which you t- taught at the Daily Method, and it was like my favorite class ever. Because, <laughs> well, okay, she brought us these like amazing oils, and we'd like rub our palms and then like bring the lavender lavender to our face and nice big breath. And then it was like an hour of kind of guided meditation and Yin yoga. Correct. Um. Yes. So, but there was one particularly diff- my least favorite part, and of course it was I guess where the mindfulness really was happening was we took a yoga block and we put it under our butts oh that was your that's my favorite but no but it was my least favorite (laughs) but then my favorite like that's what I remember so and then you kind of settle onto it so that that is like a physical representation of that well that's a great you know again back here we are back to my favorite topic of metaphor but you know so those of you who have a yoga block at home or you could use a book tennis ball um, possibly a tennis ball. It helps if it's something edgy. With a corner. Yeah. Something with a corner, mm-hmm. with a sharp edge. That helps with the metaphor, too. Because what we do is we just lie on our backs and um, you know put the feet on the floor, bend the knees, and wedge the edge of the yoga block under our glutes. It hurts so So good. it's really <laughs> easy to find for yeah. most of us a spot. You know, on either side of your glutes, that's really tender, and you, you know, stick the edge of the cork block there. <laughs> and what's our first instinct when something is uncomfortable? It's to jump away from it, right? Yeah, that doesn't feel good, so I'm going to avoid that. Right. Instead, what we're doing in this this Yin Yoga practice here is using that prop, and symbolically, that prop could represent anything in life that's causing us discomfort. Yeah. So we're going to practice doing the opposite of the reactive tendency by staying. And we're just going to soften. We're going to allow. We're going to practice non-resistance. So rather than resisting this thing that's so uncomfortable in my life, I'm just going to allow it to be, and I'm going to keep breathing with it, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to soften into it. And then, you know, I'll let you say what actually was your experience, but Theoretically, what the experience ends up being and what it has been in my body is this intensely uncomfortable, painful edge, this experience in your glutes. Once you soften into it and start really leaning into it and breathing into it, it starts to feel so good. It's so true. No, so true. I love that. Um, So it is a great, a great life metaphor that often the things that we initially resist end up being like orgasmically amazing yeah. and bliss in our lives but we've got to trust and we've got to soften and surrender into those those edgy aspects of life that we'd initially like to avoid absolutely awesome so mindfulness great moving on next m is that all you have yeah. to say about okay 
So we'll next M is meditation. And, and meditation and mindfulness are sometimes like people use them interchangeably, but I'm sure that you're not for that so no, much. I mean, or they're what, slightly different. The what, what I would say, and, you know, again, I, I'm speaking from my experience, meditation for me has been an essential practice or an essential tool to be able to live a mindful life. Okay. So I need meditation as a tool. You know, is it essential for everyone to um, practice some form of meditation in order to live mindfully? Not necessarily, although I would probably be able to sit down with anyone who's saying to me, I don't have a meditation practice yet I'm living a mindful life. And I bet somewhere in their life they actually are practicing a form of meditation. They're just not labeling it right that because it's not sitting on a cushion in front of a candle, you know, at 6 a.m. So we sort of have this very rigid idea of what meditation is, and yeah. then we say we do or don't do it. But for me, meditation has been an essential practice for being able to live more mindfully. When did you start to meditate? Well, I fail. I started failing at meditation young. I mean, I probably tried to meditate for the first time in late high school or early college, you know, when I first took a yoga class that had some sort of meditative component mm -hmm. or introduction. And then as I really did start to embrace yoga and, and started on what I would call a spiritual journey of my own, I deeply wanted to embrace meditation and I deeply wanted to have the experience of a successful meditation or what I thought would represent a successful meditation. And that just was not happening for me. So it was something that was truly frustrating for me. And at a certain point, um, really like right before and during the beginning of my yoga teacher training, I had to just let it go. I had to let myself off the hook and stop trying to meditate because it was becoming such a frustration and distraction from me enjoying yeah. <laughs> the rest of the journey that I just had to put it aside for a while. Um, but then I finally found some books, some teachers, you know, so many things came together at once for me that made me understand and I'll just sidebar here and say that there are so many different ways to meditate and so many different spiritual traditions around around meditation um, many people meditate the, for reasons that have nothing to do with spirituality it's all physical and about um, you know just finding finding space in life but for me Finding meditation and a form of meditation that did not require me to turn off my brain, to escape my body, and to not experience human emotions was essential. Yeah. Once I found a, an avenue through that, once I found a way of meditating that embraced all of those things – it was the angels started singing for me. Then it was, oh, I finally get it. And it was very, it was both, it was enlightening. It was so, free, you know, freedom and connection are two of my favorite words, but it was both. It, it gave me these 
amazing feelings of connection with self, with others, with my life, with this experience of being a human being. And it gave me, I will use the word spiritual, everyone may not, but for me, it also gave me this very spiritual experience of freedom, of on one hand, I am so in this life, this human body experience, and at the same time, I am so much bigger than it. Right. Yeah. So, okay, meditation, what do you do it daily? Do you, do you set a time like aside every day? You do. Yes and no. Now, you know, life ebbs and flows and I am just now feeling that I would like to get back to a more quote unquote scheduled, seated, formal meditation practice. I don't do that every day right now, <clears throat> but I meditate every single day and I do what I'll call micro meditations or mini meditations. Gosh, I mean hundreds of times wow. every day. And I mean, literally, I, I, I do them in conversations with people. I yeah. do them driving my car. I do them so often that it would be hard for me to to really give you an accurate number. Totally. How, um, do, you, how do you do when, a micro meditation? Well, so let's, one of the things that um, I love to teach is something called a mindfulness moment, which is essentially a micro meditation. And the way to practice a mindful moment is to develop something that I call um, a mindfulness trigger. So you, we all choose these for ourselves. This is an exercise or a practice that you start doing, and maybe some of our listeners could decide to start this tonight. To choose a mindfulness trigger, you just think of something that you encounter a few times throughout your day. Some people like to create a mindfulness trigger, like set an alarm for 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. on your phone mm -hmm. or put a post-it note on your car steering wheel and on your computer screen. So they can be artificially created. Yeah. Um, they can also be a bit more organic in that um, it might be, well, I'll tell you some of mine. One of my first mindfulness triggers that I chose was getting stuck at trains because living in Elmhurst, just outside of Chicago, where we live, there are so many trains. And, you know, that's something that could be just a really frustrating thing to deal with on a daily basis. But I decided to make it a mindfulness trigger. Another one that I chose for myself was lighting candles. Because I'm a little bit of a pyromaniac. And I do, <laughs> like, at least a couple candles a couple for times sure. a day. What's your favorite, like, scent? Ooh, I am such a smell junkie. Could I ever choose a scent? I like... What are you driving on lately? I always tend to come back to the the earthiness of amber-based mm. scents. So I like to wear those. I like to smell those. Yeah. But and it's a great question. In an essential oil and in a candle, I can be a little bit all over the map depending on what energy I'm wanting to cultivate. You right. know, like if I'm needing to be uplifted, those mm -hmm. citrusy smells might really draw me. And if I'm needing to, you know, zen out, I might, you know, want something much more earthy grounding. Like what? So like maybe a cedar Ooh. or, you know, again, I like the amber. Any tree. Yeah. Tree-based huh. oils and scents. Um those work, you know, and we all respond to scents different ways. True. Those for me can work both ways mm -hmm. because I can smell, you know, a tree-based oil and feel 
really stimulated Mm -hmm. or um, inspired, motivated. And sometimes I'll smell that same smell and just feel super centered and calm and awesome relaxed so, so you you like so, the candle so back to you st- yeah the st- mindfulness trigger so you choose your mindfulness trigger and what you do is when you encounter that mindfulness trigger in your day you do three main things and this is where the micro meditation occurs you think or maybe even say the word arrive and that's that mindful dropping in mm-hmm. The way, the best way to arrive in this moment is to take a mindful breath. So it's just a big inhale and a nice deep exhale and just thinking that word arrive. And for me, that's usually an energetic sensation of dropping in or down. So I tend to, you know, feel my feet if I'm standing, feel my seat if I'm sitting and a dropping back. I usually close my eyes and feel my eyes literally soften back in their sockets. So number one is arrive. Take that breath. For the breath, um, yeah. is it better to breathe to your stomach, to fill your stomach, or to fill your lungs? Or what? where are you sending that? Well, I'll answer that two ways. You know, the the best breath, and there are all these breathing practices, is a breath that's deep and resonant, top to bottom, front to back, that uses the full capacity of our lungs. It's so hard, when um, you, especially when you have anxiety. I just Sometimes I yeah. just have these days where I like can't get a full breath, and I, I know other people do too. Well, and again, that's where I would say, you know, re, let's reframe that language. And, okay. you know, instead of saying it's so hard, yeah. if you're going to say it's so hard, what's really so hard is breathing shallowly and stressfully, right? right? Not letting our bodies support us. So what's so easy is relaxing Mm -hmm. and trusting. And this goes to what I really want to give as an answer for what's the best way to breathe. The best way to breathe is the way your body breathes you. Mm -hmm. Like we can get so, and this is another reason I failed at meditation for many, many, many Mm -hmm. years. I was so caught up in whatever breathing practices were being offered to me, doing it the right way, counting it the right way. Was I breathing enough into my belly? Was I relaxing my pelvic floor enough? I was so in my head Mm -hmm. over breathing that I wasn't allowing the experience of breath to just happen in my body. So, you know, for the sake of just starting this new practice of, of mindful moments, I would say it's just a natural relaxed breath and if it helps to how many times are you going to hear an exercise teacher say this but if it helps to relax your belly Mm -hmm. soften your pelvic floor that's exactly what needs to happen to just get out of the way yeah of the nice deep deep resonant breath okay so that's so number one is arrive take the breath number two is notice And this is a micro meditation practice, and this is actually really broken down in the program that we're going to talk about in a bit. But you're going to notice, so with sub-bullets here, three things, thoughts, sensations, and emotions. And that's just a quick, you know, we're talking all of this is happening in the span of a minute or two. Or maybe just one, because sometimes when we practice arrive, we take that breath and we go right to notice, we will notice right away where our energy is most active. I'll notice if my head, if my brain is really on fire and going 90 miles an hour. I will notice if I'm in a stress-induced state and my chest is tight or my stomach is in knots. Um, 
I will notice the last thing that we notice is emotions. I may notice that I'm experiencing, wow, a really overwhelming emotional wave of sadness right now or joy or, you know, so many different things. But we can notice all of those things or just one of them. And then the last part is number three, choose. And what we choose, we have really two options here. Choose at least to notice what's okay. So I say that can be as simple as notice your body's breathing you and notice your heart's beating. Because simply noticing what is okay brings us from, again, that sympathetic reactive state that we might be walking around in without even knowing it into the parasympathetic nervous system where everything's okay. My heart is beating. My body's breathing me. If we want to take it a step further, we can take it to choose to notice something good, Mm -hmm. which is a gratitude practice. And, you know, again, this starts to sound all hokey and hallmarky and it's gratitude gratitude we're you know encountering that word everywhere I think we start to la 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 it but gratitude is a really powerful practice because it's impossible to be in a practice of gratitude i.e. noticing what is present noticing what is full noticing what is perfect noticing what's working, it's impossible to notice all of those amazing things and be in a and be in sympathetic nervous system. So we automatically come into that um, what was our word? Our content yes state right. when we practice gratitude. So noticing something good. Cool. That's so the third step. That's our micro meditation. It's arrive and mm-hmm. you breathe. Notice, notice and your, choose and choose. So you notice your thoughts, emotions, and surroundings and sensations. Sensations. Yeah. And then you choose to what? Choose to <laughs> simply notice what is okay. Okay. Which, let's be honest, on a stressful day or in a stressful moment, simply choosing to notice that I'm not getting chased by a bear. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That I'm okay. That might be right there, my practice of the moment of the day. If in any given moment I can take it that extra step to notice, hey, not only am I not getting chased by a bear, not only am I breathing and my heart is beating here, but I can notice that the sky is so blue and the sun is so bright and I'm feeling the breeze on my skin and... I'm having this really blissful moment right now. If I can get to gratitude, even better. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so that's micro meditation. How about macro meditation? Is that a thing? Or is that just regular meditation? Like yeah, what? well, so... Do, um, do you recommend do you people start with the micro meditation? To, I actually... Here's what I recommend. To start meditation, um, and this is what our program Week of Zen mm-hmm. is all about and is really geared toward is people like me who are new to meditation or who have tried to meditate and failed, or they are telling themselves they're failing many times. So that's who Week of Zen is for. And, you know, again, I am not claiming to teach in Week of Zen all of the different ways to meditate. Um, This is my way. These are my very personal 
practices that have worked for me in my life. So they're also very practically based. Um, I do use each meditation is set up with um, an introduction before we go into the actual meditation. So there's a component of explaining why. Why are we doing what we're about to do? How is this going to benefit your life? Um, I like to know why yeah. I'm doing things or I feel like, frankly, it's a waste of my time. Right. So I appreciate you know, when someone tells me, hey, here's what you're going to get out of this and this is why you should spend the next 10 minutes seated in stillness. But for a new practice, for a person who's just starting meditation, my best advice is to make it, to put some structure around it, yeah. to make it formal because that's how we develop the practice. That's how we learn how to, you know, if we use an exercise metaphor, we're flexing new muscles here. So you're not just going to automatically be strong and be able to do all of these little micro meditations throughout your day, you know, flex those muscles like that mm -hmm. until you've intentionally developed them. So the first thing that you want to do is set aside a time of day or determine a time of day. And people always ask me, what's the best time of day to meditate? And my answer is when you'll do it. Yeah. So, you know, I could sit here and give you a million reasons yeah. that 6 a.m. or as the sun is rising would be an optimal time to meditate. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful, wonderful, optimal time to meditate if you'll do it. Right. It has never been, I won't say never, maybe three times in my <laughs> life, <laughs> that's been an optimal time for right. me to meditate. But, you know, I've had to find different times, windows in my day that work for me around 2.30 in the afternoon mm -hmm. ended up being a time that was just a free window almost every day for me in my life or one where I could clear five minutes and that became my time. So choose a time that will work for you and designate a space and designate that visually some way. And it can be as simple as a pillow on the floor, a yoga mat rolled out. But I tell people for, let's just say a week, maybe for a month, you know, this is harder if you're somebody who doesn't like to have things scattered about your space. But allow yourself for that week when you're developing this new practice to have that visual reminder just always there. Because then you're going to walk by it and you're going to remember, oh, there's my meditation pillow. I'm picturing my red pillow right now. I'm going to try oh, that this week. I love it. Perfect. Yeah. So have that time, have that space, and then have supports that work for you. And, you know, one of the reasons that we developed Week of Zen, um, my partner, Marla Saris, who was also my student, came to my classes and came through my meditations and had such profound impacts on her own um, anxiety, depression, and uh, a lot of physical symptoms relating to, she was later diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. She had so much um, success with meditation that she just came at me really hard and said, we need to record these and we need to turn this into a thing. This needs to be a thing yeah. that we can share with people. Um, and, you know, and I, too, had never really found for myself in my own practice a resource that really did it for me, mm -hmm. that really gave me what I needed in my life to be able to meditate. So that's what we tried to offer with Week of Zen. That's great. I mean, and that's where that's where it comes from. You have this thing that you're so passionate about. Yes. And you're like, we're, 
Where can I tell people to go yes. do this? You know, that's how this podcast came to be. I loved talking to people about their influences, but then I realized there wasn't a podcast for that. So, um, Love it. That's that's really cool. Um, what? So, okay, so that was my next question was, like, who was your, like, meditation guru? Or do you have, like, any words that you remember you cling on to spoken by, you know, Buddha or whatever that, that really – yeah. ring true for your meditation practice? Good. I mean, in terms of I do, I do love quotes too. Um, a couple that I come back to often in my own meditation practices, formal and micro meditations. Mm -hmm. One quote that I love is uh, Pema Chodron says, you are the sky, everything else, it's just the weather. You are the sky everything else it's just the weather so I love that one um you know that one's like just sit with that one and feel into that it's yeah. it's a heavy it's it's a big one right weather is everything mm -hmm. weather is our thoughts weather is our physical bodies is weather other people weather is other people weather is relationships weather is every aspect of this human embodiment experience mm -hmm. and we you lease mm -hmm. are the sky so if you are not well and here's the other one that i love and we'll kind of put these together i say this quite a few times in week of zen anything you can observe you are not anything you can observe you are not in week of zen guided meditations I walk people through how to access what we call the seat of observer which is the seat of meditation and how to observe your own thoughts your own physical body sensations and your own emotional experiences when we can have the experience, and at first the experience is like maybe you feel it for a second. Yeah. Oh, maybe I had, you feel I had it that. for five seconds. I had that. I had before you came in. <laughs> um, I told you this, but I'll tell you. I'll tell it again on air. Um, before Lorna joined me today, I was like laying in this lounge that we have at WGN and doing the meditation that tape uh, that you sent me, which I love, and I've done it several awesome. times. But and I love that you can do it there. But it was anywhere. funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was funny because I had this moment where I was like, "That's it! Like I'm the surfer." <laughs> You know, yes. and it was so cool, but then it was gone. But yeah, but that's what it's about, and that's how it goes. Exactly, and that's what's amazing, and that's why I loved it because if your goal had been to completely escape the thought or the physical body sensation or the emotion, you would have failed, right? right? That right. would have been a meditation failure. But I'm, you know, I'm going to make the argument that until we are no longer alive. <laughs> we are going to be having human experiences. Yeah. So thoughts will always be present. Physical body experiences and sensations will always be strongly present. And emotional experiences, energies. Emotion is just energy in motion, flowing, Ooh. like weather. Um, we are going to have all of those things. So week of Zen and, and the way that I like to teach meditation teaches us to observe thoughts, sensations, and emotions. And then if we go back to that statement, that simple but 
profound yeah. statement. Anything you can observe, you are not. That's crazy. So that's everything. It's everything. And and that's where this gets just like trippy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I feel like I'm on <laughs> trippy. Some weird. You know, hey, maybe may spiritual. Right. For some of us, it's profound. You know, this is where I find God yeah. personally. You know, other people may have different experiences, mm-hmm. but but you know, sit with that. And if we are not our thoughts, if we are not any of our physical bodies' experiences or sensations, and if we are not our emotional experiences, who are we? What are we? And oh this is this is where it gets trippy and cool because yeah. you're in a realm, you're in a place that really is wordless. Yeah. It is indescribable, but of course it is because it's beyond human brain comprehension. We use really fancy words like that is consciousness Mm -hmm. or we say that is the seat of self, capital S, self. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of other words that people put on that. But um, for me, feeling it, whatever that is was a process of feeling everything it wasn't mm-hmm. before I knew where that space even was. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you have a mantra that you repeat? I, I don't. I don't. I have certain things that I, I mean, one word, one simple word that I say hundreds of times a day, again, is arrive. Mm-hmm. Arrive or be here be here now yeah um you know certainly there are a lot of other I don't necessarily call them mantras um but I there are other words that I say to help me release things that aren't serving to let go surrender is another word that I think often um or energetically practice with a lot soften Mm -hmm. I mean I I have a lot of favorite yeah, words. I love that. Trust, awesome. soften, surrender. Are it's amazing ones. what language, like we, this is a callback to what we were talking about earlier, but it does, it can do so many good things for you and then yeah. so many not so good things. Well, and funny how we have so many associations exactly. around words. You know, I, I never used to have very many positive associations around the word surrender. Yeah. For example. Right. Um, and now that's become a profoundly powerful word and space for me. Cool. I love that. For some reason, the word moist comes to mind just because so many people hate it. (laughs) Why is that such a hated word? You know, I hate that word. One of my best friends hates that word. I hate the word nipple. Even my children know I hate that word. Yes. (laughs) See, nipple freaks me out. Huh. No, that one doesn't I don't know, trigger me just, so much. I don't know what know. that means. Um, I've nursed three children, so yeah. maybe that one's just <laughs> been. <laughs> I'll get there someday. Um, <laughs> so, okay, very cool. I had something else, but it's gone because that was just, I was so in that. Yeah, no, um, well, so yeah, we talked great. about mindfulness. mindfulness. We're talking about meditation. meditation. Um, let's move on to motion. What is it? Motion? Mo- movement. Movement. Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's, let's go to there. Um, move to movement. What? Awesome. Why? Why is that one of the forums? So, you know, I'm about to get into word again, words that yeah. that can trigger people. But I'm going to just go ahead and say, I'm, you know, we talk in 
in the yogic world a lot about masculine and feminine energies mm-hmm. and and polarity and those words can be really loaded because people hear masculine and they think men and they hear feminine and they think women and um, you know this has nothing to do with what sex genitalia you know organs we have we all have masculine and feminine energies mm-hmm. within us and we can amplify and do practices to strengthen either or both and when we you know play relationally when we come into the the playground of relationships we choose to embody masculine or feminine Mm -hmm. um and we have to choose we have to embody one or the other in order to create polarity and that's kind of a whole other thing but um movement if if mindfulness and meditation are more under the category of masculine practices in that again this is not saying men this is just masculine in that the masculine is all about um doing nothing <laughs> it's about it's about uh spaciousness uh-huh. being a container yeah holding space being being um yeah i mean that is a funny yeah. And you laughed because we all, right. men generally, like, what's the general complaint of men? Yeah. It's like too much, too much, too much, yeah. right? Like, back off. Right. Do do less. Yeah. Just chill, be. So if, if mindfulness and meditation are more masculine, space-holding, um, I'll use that fancy word, consciousness mm-hmm. practices, they create this container, movement is like the goddess, Movement is a very feminine practice. Yeah. And again, mind you, men men move right. too. So women yeah. do both, men do both. Um, but, you know, if, if the masculine is the observer, mm-hmm. then the goddess is the dancer. Like the masculine is the witness, mm-hmm. you know, and then the goddess is doing this beautiful dance. So movement practices are practices of life it's it's how do we be in our lives how do we embrace this body how do we embrace these thoughts how do we embrace all of these emotional energies all of these waves and how do I dance with all of my feminine energy with all of my goddess energy in that so that's why that's another one of my M's. We have okay. these masculine practices, and then we have the feminine to to balance it. Love that. So which kind of bridges us to our next one. Too. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> so sticking up yeah. with movement. Um, I think movement, and I think okay, running, and then like bar yeah. class, and like working out. But like movement, is it is it mostly exercise, or are you talking? Yeah. Well, larger. Certainly taken literally. You know, there's a reason that we are so – there's a reason that I was drawn to be an exercise teacher yeah. and a yoga teacher. There's a reason that I'm drawn to move my body when I've had long periods of stillness. You know, we we feel that need to just get energy moving. You know, going back to that word emotion mm-hmm. – Emotion is energy in motion, and we get in trouble with our emotions when we don't let energy do what it's meant to do, which is naturally flow. Yeah. So we have emotional problems right. when we either resist, Yeah. you know, like, oh, here comes anxiety, and I'm going to 
clothes. I'm not going to let that wave come yeah. my way, which is hilarious. You know, how can we stop a wave on yeah. the ocean, right? There's no resisting. But we try. Yeah. We try to resist. Or we hold. So we let that energy permeate into our body, and then we hold it. Okay. And we close around it. Yeah. Like we contain it within our bodies, and that's where dis-ease comes from. Yeah. From holding. So either way, we get in trouble when we don't let movement happen naturally in in nature yeah. and in emotions. Yeah, go ahead. So so this is physical movement, but also movement through life. So like being stagnant yes, in yes. your life, staying at that job that you hate or whatever. Right. So, you know, a yoga class or a daily method bar class, I always say, you know, these are life practices. Like mm-hmm. the whole class, the whole hour of class is one big life metaphor. You know, how do you arrive? How do you show up? What energy are you, what... Um, you know, how are you bringing your best? Like, what are we bringing to our lives? What are we bringing to that first moment of class? Yeah. Are we present in it? Or are we still thinking about, oh, my God. My ex-boyfriend, did I leave? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> did I leave the kid's lunchbox on the top yeah. of the car? Whatever. <laughs> did I leave my hair straightener plugged in? That's like 99% of <laughs> the time. Did I leave that true. candle burning? Yes. It's often one for me. Oh, my God, I bet. It's often true that I did. Yeah. Um, no fires yet. <laughs> Knock on poor Micah. <laughs> exactly. Knock on poor Micah. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, so, you know, life metaphor with these with these movement classes. And, you know, the classes are about practicing all of these beautiful oppositions in life, too. You know, like a yoga class or a daily method class. Um, you have to embrace both stability and um, freedom. Right. You have to embo- you have to embrace and practice in your body energies of both effort and you have to both honor and feel boundaries like our bodies have boundaries and limitations and they're showing us where our edges are to keep us safe right so we're honoring them and we're playfully recognizing how boundaries are illusory Mm -hmm. and constantly shifting and changing and so in a yoga practice and in a daily method practice we're edging those boundaries all the time. You know, like, oh, it was here. Now it's here. Yeah. And now if I breathe a couple more times, maybe it's here. Right. And sometimes we have to pull it back. Oh, yeah. you know, I went a little too far on that one. So all of these practices are our life metaphors. Another favorite quote of mine is, the way you do anything is the way you'll do everything. And that's such a great yoga wow. metaphor. Yeah. You know, there are times in a daily method class or yoga class where – I'm really ready to tune out or give up or, you know, back off. And and just thinking that quote really, you know, the way you do anything is the way you'll do everything. And I just then will have that mindful moment of how am I showing up? Yeah. You know, in this moment, Mm -hmm. what am I practicing? And that answer can change day to day because one day I might be practicing more of that strength energy. So I'm going to push, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold it longer or I'm going to go deeper or I'm going to push a little bit deeper into that edge. Other days, what I might really be needing is self-care and softness Mm -hmm. and nurturing. So I might back off Yeah, and I might do do my pushups on my knees or I'm going to modify that yoga pose or when the teacher says, 
you know, hey, you can stay right here or you have the option to do this, this, and this. I might not do any of those options because right in that moment, my practice is self-care and nurturing. So, you know, feeling that too. How are we showing up in every moment of our lives, letting ourselves be fluid, letting ourselves move and dance through our lives, and we just keep showing up moment to moment to moment to moment exactly as we are, practicing exactly what we need. So how do you, what's the difference between dancing at a club and dancing through life? Dancing at a club? I mean, maybe nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I love dancing at clubs. I love dancing in all forms. Like, what's the difference between, like, physically dancing and then, like, quote, dancing through life? I would say... Or is it the same? Well, I'm going to maybe just turn the club dancing into a metaphor. Yeah. If, if you're in the club and you're really in it, yeah. you know, you, you're present. Yeah. And... Like we all know, like like now I'm getting into my masculine taking that seat of observer right. place, right? But okay, I know if I'm watching someone dance, I feel if I'm watching someone dance, if they're really connected yeah. to their body and to, you know, this is getting big with it, but to the universal energy that is wanting to flow and express. Like, this is about creativity. Right. You know, so your club dancing, if you're present and you're breathing and you are feeling your body, the uniqueness of every cell of your body and every inch of your skin, and you're feeling this surrender experience of you're not in your head planning out your next move. You're allowing your body to be danced by the universe, right? By God, yeah. by however you want to say that. You're letting create you're letting creative energy flow you. Yes, you're feeling the energy and the movement of the music and you're responding to that. You know, when I'm in my masculine watching that, holy, you know, that feels really sensual amazing that is captivating and that's enlivening even the observer if I'm watching someone who's in their head and awkward and disconnected or not wanting to be there um, not feeling their breath not feeling their body not hearing the rhythm Mm -hmm. feeling the rhythm of the Mm -hmm. music you know we know that that looks and feels different and you don't have that same visceral pull to that I'm thought I'm thinking of this funny concert that I went to. I, I I went and saw actually snuck into this Father John Misty concert. I don't know if you've heard. How old were you when you did it? <laughs> 20, 20, 21, okay. 22, <laughs> Last year. Um, well, why did you sneak in? Well, it was just it you was just like didn't... I was visiting school and it was it was a crazy time in my life um, where I was partying a lot at school <laughs> and but I wasn't I was graduated so I was like going back to see my friends on the weekends in Champagne and it was a really long weekend. I was really not feeling great I was supposed to get a ride home to the city with my friend and then he was like hey I just got a free ticket to Father John Misty I'm gonna go so like could you figure out how to get in and then we'll just drive home after so I was like 
yeah, I've done this before, so it's fine. So I went, it was run by students, this like whole student organization, Star Course, puts on these shows. So I like went awesome. to the door just to like be like, hey, can I use the bathroom? And I was going to just hide out in the bathroom. But then the chick that I was talking to, this was like an hour before the show starts, the chick I was talking to was like, you went to LT, right? Like you were really involved in WLTL, the radio station there. And I was like, yeah, oh, hey. I don't know who she was, but she was like, so I was like, I used to be in Star Course. She was like, oh, do you have a ticket to the show? I was like, no. She was like, come on in. So, okay. So I'm like feeling it, right? I'm like really hungover, but I'm like, cool and then my friends came and they happened to have tickets they had they bought the tickets they were front row and the seat next to them was empty of course because you know I was feeling it I was dancing through this through that hangover um but what I'm drawing upon now is we're front row right there's like tons of like girls who are like freaking out father John Misty he's just like this rock and roll like really sarcastic songwriting you'd love it it's really great um but he's singing and we're all right right at the front of the stage um, and I'm just like, I'm not even paying attention because I was just so in it. Um, in it. And yeah. everybody else is just like, huh, you know, like hands like throwing themselves at him. And and all of a sudden I feel this hand on my head. And it's him at the edge of the stage. Of course. Because he can just see that I'm just like yes. so connected to it. And for like. It and probably then I look was up. not at all conscious either. Right. He I look, was not exactly. consciously drawn to you. Right. He just felt. Yeah you in you yeah in your you-ness hilarious so like I, I look up and like he like holds my hand and he like sings whatever line to me and I was just like ever and then he walks away and everybody around me is like oh my god Leith and I was like I shrugged I was like whatever you know it's just like, like of course this happens to me all the time it does a <laughs> but it probably but, does yeah <laughs> it did back in my let's be honest back in my groupie day um but anyways I just love that that metaphor of the masculine yeah watching the okay so how do how do you dance through life? Because it, it's so I look I mean even at my life and and the, the lives of people around me and and social media it, even just just socialness um, it makes it really hard. You feel like you're constantly being watched and, and yeah. like every move is just so significant and it's so easy to get this tight grasp on everything um, and that's where that stagnant you know yeah. unmovingness well, and, comes and, from. And, and, I, I, you know, I like what you just said. You feel like you're always being watched and you're aware that you're being watched. And, and when we're in that place of this like hyper self-consciousness, we are pulled out of that beautiful experience yeah. of we're no longer in our dance and feeling this natural, blissful energy just flowing through us and we're with it. We're not having that experience at all. We're in our heads yeah. of, you know, how how am I being watched and am I making the right moves and am I in the right rhythm and how are people judging my dancing? And so we really do have that tendency to be externalized in our experience. How do you get away from that? Um, Well, I I think, you know, all of this is a nice segue into that. The fourth M. Yeah, the, the fourth M, because what you were also talking about with your experience, you know, in the concert that you know that was not something that you intentionally did you you were just dropped in i was succumbing you, yeah, yeah you were surrendered to the moment yeah. and to the ecstasy of the moment you were just in your life yeah. and you were very alive in your life and and that makes perfect sense to me that yeah. of course <laughs> right of course 
the person that you would most want to be drawn to you was completely drawn to you when you were very lit up and alive that way. And, you know, we can all just think about that for a moment. Think about walking through life, how there aren't words always, you know, I mean, yeah, we all love to say making this more, um, you know, literal about attraction, but we may all have like something that we would describe as our type. Yeah. I I like this and I like Mm -hmm, that or mm -hmm. I notice this. But I think, you know, if we're all being honest, we would also probably say that walking through life, we've all had so many experiences of just being drawn to a person. Yeah. And, you know, and and that can be like in a sexual way or a completely non-sexual platonic way. But there's just you you see someone enter a room or I'm watching, you know, you walk down the sidewalk and you just captivate me. Mm -hmm. And it can and maybe we can break it down. You know, you captivated me because you're a beautiful blonde. But (laughs) but that may not be the case. It's usually just this kind of mysterious energetic thing Mm -hmm. that I would argue or I would say very simply is that person is just so turned on yeah they're so alive that I can't help but feel that aliveness and be drawn to it so um yeah when when I do these four m's in some talks sometimes the fourth m is motivation Mm -hmm. um talking about that in terms of what lights us up, what fires us up, mm-hmm. what internally, not externally, but internally drives us to dance through yeah. lives. Um, but, you know, Lise told me that for the purposes of this program, I can use the real word that I really like to use, which is masturbation. Yeah. So that fourth practice for me, um, you know, that and that I coach people into, and this is highly <laughs> metaphorical. <laughs> I mean, not not that I'm not a big fan of taking right. it literal too. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, but you know, masturbation is a metaphor for how do I, on a daily basis, turn myself on. Mm-hmm. And when I am asking questions around that for myself or you know if I'm working with you as as a client the questions I would be coaching you to play with and explore would be um, you know when do I feel most alive when do I feel really feel my body Mm -hmm. when do I really feel that flow that goddess creative energy Uh, when do my thoughts just feel effortless and fluid and aligned with my spirit and my life and and they're just fluidly directing me in all of the right ways Um, when emotionally you know do I have that sense of just being so awake and aware and alive in my life and notice you know I didn't say what turns you on Mm -hmm. Or what can someone do to you? Right. Yeah. To turn you on, which is normally the way we we walk around yeah. talking about life. It's certainly the way most of us talk about uh, the dance of relationship and coming into partnership with someone. We're all, you know, myself included, we're all pretty good at talking about uh, 
how things could work transactionally. Mm-hmm. You know, well, if I do this, then I expect him to do this. Yeah. And if he does that, then I'll do this. Right, and, right. and um, you know, this turns me on and that turns me on. And I really like this and I really like that. We're, we're all pretty well versed in articulating those things. But what we're doing when we walk through life that way is we are making not only our happiness, but our okayness conditional. Conditional. Yeah. I will only be okay or I will only be happy when this set of external circumstances happens. When it's 75 and sunny and when this person is in front of me and they're showing up this way and they're doing these things. So what, you know, again, this is just something to notice and not feel bad about because we all do this. We all, this is human. This is, this, these are natural um, tendencies and, you know, we can just awaken to mm-hmm. seeing ourselves and seeing how we do this. And once we awaken to seeing this, we have the capacity to, um, to make better choices and to ask better questions. So, you know, when we go through life that way, that conditional way of expecting life circumstances to turn me on, we're so powerless. Yeah. We just give away our power and we willingly choose to do this every day in, and it's reflected in our language. It's reflected in, what we wish for when we talk about relationships. Yeah. So, okay, so what's, a, what's an example of me giving that power to somebody else? Well, anytime we, so for example, in a relationship, you yeah, mean? Yeah, or right, or yeah. life. Yeah. Anytime we say, um, or in life, you know, I'll be, I will relax when I get this job. Yeah. As soon as this person calls me back and gives me this piece of information, I will I'll be okay. I'll chill out. Or, or even or as soon as I get 50 likes on this picture. As soon as I'm married, as yeah. soon as I have a baby, yeah. as soon as I have X house, as soon as I live in whatever place. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways that we externalize our okayness it's and It's like our those happiness. benchmarks. Those Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know just in in these mini ways yeah. too every day. Um, and just noticing, noticing how we do that. And then, go ahead. No, so then so then, how do you flip it on its head? Yeah, yeah. How do you turn yourself on in life? Yeah. So one of my favorite exercises to do, and I, you know, I do this again and again with myself because we're always changing. Yeah. We're always, we don't stay right the same in life. So you have to keep checking in with yourself too. Um, but I love to do this for myself and I love to guide clients through this is what you know what lease if you were to design a whole perfect day of foreplay let's let's run with this metaphor and you can take you hi can, mom you could take this as literally yeah. or as metaphorically okay. as you want but imagine that you have the power to design a day mm-hmm. that is perfectly set up yeah to turn you on how would you what would that day look like how would you walk through that day what choices 
would you make? I mean, you're designing this. So, you know, you wake up in the morning, and this is where I encourage people to journal, write yeah. this down, and get really sensual about it. So engage all of your senses. You know, when you wake up in the morning, what is, and you open your eyes, what's the first thing that you are feeling and noticing? Well, I, I try, after reading The Secret, to wake up and have a, a moment before I get out of bed and like try to this is like what the lady in the secret said like fill yourself with gratitude so that Love when it. you stand up your your right foot hits the ground and you say thank yeah. and your left foot hits the ground and you say you but mostly <laughs> really I roll out of bed look for my glasses which have in- inevitably fallen out of the ground you know curse at that or like have to call my you know somebody into the room to help me find them put my glasses on and then I'm like okay so this is the ideal yeah world yeah well, ideally it's sunny, but then that's something else that I, it's out of my control. So I will make myself tea or a Love smoothie, um, something healthy, um, and I don't have to work on this day. Or, well, maybe I do have to work. Maybe you is do, this, but, but how the specific important is I love that – so I already love a couple things. You went okay. to, you know, tea or a smoothie, and again, you know, getting – we just are slowing everything down here for yeah. the purposes of this exercise, yeah. you know, and let's just dive into tea. Right. And the the sensual experience okay. of making a cup of tea. Yeah. You know, how remember, you're turning yourself on here. Yeah. Like that's this is the whole point of this. Right. So okay. what 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 vessel yeah <laughs> are you choosing you know do you like to like have one of those big cups that you have to have two yeah. hands to hold it or yes do you have a tiny little delicate oh, okay. favorite okay well I've got um I have a le- an electric tea kettle so I'll fill that up um depending on how many people I'm making tea for you know um put that on and then I'll go get my teapot which I bought in Ireland um a little tin teapot uh grab my tea put it in there fill it up get my mug um and my saucer yeah is this right so yeah then this I'm is great so, so and I like that I'm just gonna you know keep guiding yeah. you yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's go deeper with okay. it so it this carries um energy and memories I'm assuming of mm. Ireland yeah. right where you got it so feel into that a little bit you know what does Ireland feel like for you you know what what energies in your body does that call up it was my last week that I spent with my ex ever um was in Ireland and we stayed with his family um in the Irish countryside and you know they're super catholic wonderful people but we had to sleep in separate bedrooms because we weren't married and I was fine with that because at that point the relationship was on the outs wow I'm getting really real so I bought this teapot because I hadn't bought anything for me on that whole trip because I was paying for his rent and paying for our travels and shit and so I bought the teapot and it was like my little, my thing. I put it in my carry-on, came back to the States and my luggage was lost, but I still had my carry-on. I still had that wow. goddamn teapot. So it, it does have a lot of, yeah. att- I do have a lot of attachment to it. But attachment I know is something that, well, we don't even have to tackle that piece Yeah, right well, now. you know, I would say, so using that teapot, mm-hmm. <laughs> if it carries, um, you know, energy that, that doesn't feel good to you, then then choose a different one. No, but, but, it's a, it's but if good. it feels good, like, I'm I'm gonna like throw some words at you. Yeah. But you know, maybe for you, some of the energy of using that or remembering that is that it represents, um, you know, your self care, mm-hmm. your nur- your self nurturing, your um, 
what's a word? I, I almost want to say like you being whimsical, but a little like you allowed yourself to purchase something yeah. that you didn't need, but that you loved, that yes. brought you joy. Right. Um, so, you know, that's that's a cool goddess energy right there. So I'm going to argue that choosing this particular vessel for your tea has all of this goddess energy around it. And to make part of your experience of making tea feeling that. Yeah. You know, and then what tea do you choose? You know, are you choosing like the quick, easy <laughs> grocery store Earl Grey right. because let's just go, 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 yeah. get our way to work? Or are you choosing the tea that you also the way you would pick out a gift for yeah. someone you know like I chose this tea because the packaging is spectacular right so sexy mm-hmm. and then I open it and, and the smell good. is just yeah. transports me some to my happy place mm-hmm. and then you know slow down that whole ritual almost as if you're making tea in a movie yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> It's It's the goddess dance. You're turning that tea ritual into this goddess dance. But my point is, you know, we can go through and we just broke down like making a cup of tea, really stretched that out, engaging all of the senses and imagining that. So this exercise can take some time. In fact, um, uh, my life coach, Maureen Muldoon, gave me a form of this exercise. You know Maureen as well. Love her. Calling it, I think she called it Date with the Divine. And she told me to take a whole day. So a whole day of me in a place that felt nurturing and sweet and free of distractions. By yourself. Journal. And and I was supposed to have a date with the divine. And this was, I believe, the only assignment she gave me in it. Trust me, you can stretch this out. It took me all day yeah. to create this this perfect day. So I what? You, that's what, what she was called yours? it. Um, Bullet points. Oh my goodness! What was my day of foreplay? I, <laughs> you know, I I don't. Well, let me finish my thought okay, and then yeah, I'll yeah. go back to. You. I can I can bullet point some of them, but it's noticing the whole point. The whole p- why 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 do right. this exercise? The whole point is, let's notice the ways that we turn ourselves on. Mm-hmm. From the clothes that we would choose if we were turning ourselves on, um, you know, I've gotten rid of a lot of clothes lately that are like fucking spectacular clothes, yeah, yeah. like really hot dresses and whatever shoes, heels. But I would put those things on, and I couldn't, I couldn't move, or something bothered me in some way. It didn't. I didn't feel free and expressive yeah. and goddess-like when I had those clothes on. So I just started noticing that. And rather than saying, I should wear this because I paid $300 for it. I, I paid this much money yeah. for it or so-and-so gave it to me mm-hmm. or whatever. I, you know, I only now try to choose clothes that I feel good in, that I feel really relaxed yeah. and sensual in my way. Right sensual and comfort for me is huge yeah. I need to feel comfortable to right. feel sensual and free and expressive um, but you know noticing that and then just getting honest with ourselves and also noticing all the ways when when do I turn off how do I turn myself off and that's going to some of those things that you mentioned before too you know not to villainize our phones and social media but that is a way that most of us turn off you know, I, I just pick up this phone and I start scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and I numb out. 
and how and if I'm just being honest with myself, what is my energy like after doing that? You know, do I feel invigorated? Do I feel alive? Do I feel inspired? And do I feel ready to flow in goddess dance no, through my life? Or I do don't. I feel kind of depleted, yeah. depressed? Maybe I've just done some comparing my life to everybody else's and feeling inadequate. Um, you know, so let's just compare the practices of what would it feel like to create, to design the way we would script a movie a whole day of foreplay for ourselves, to dress ourselves that way, to ingest visually that way, to ingest the music, the sounds, to put ourselves, you know, ingesting in our ears what turns us on, to do all of that versus walking through our days doing all of these things unconsciously, this is totally unconscious, turning ourselves off, which is why it totally makes sense that our conversations with our girlfriends at the end of those days revolve around, well, what does he need to do? Yeah. Right? <laughs> what does my partner need to do? Or, you know, again, it doesn't, this doesn't have to be romantic. This can be like our mother, our father, mm-hmm. our kids. Mm-hmm. If only my kids would, dot, 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 I would be okay. I would feel okay. You know, let's take the burden off these other people and these other circumstances that have to align so perfectly and ask ourselves better questions. How do I turn myself on mentally, physically, and spiritually every day? And what would it feel like? What would it really feel like? Like you've got to feel into that with all of your senses and even beyond the five senses. What would it feel like to walk through life that way? And don't we all know, not with words necessarily, but haven't we all had the experience of being in the presence of someone who's that turned on? Yes, but here's my yes, but. Because I can just, I I mean, even I'm listening to this and I'm loving it, but I'm like thinking, okay, so like I do that for a day, one day out of the week, and then I'm like back to like normal. Like I feel like a big thing with this is people are, are listening and they're like, cool but like that's not practical how the hell am I supposed to like be this like magical floating fairy all all the time there's bad news in the world there's bad shit going on in my life blah 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 yeah how do you masturbate all the time you know and like it is is it sustainable is it practical tell me what you would say to the doubters and you can keep that brief I mean we don't have to I would I would say it, these are all practices, and it may not be now. Mm-hmm. And for most of us, what the experience is is, you know, I'm 43. So a beautiful thing about being where I am, am in life is, I've I've done it that other way for a long time, and you do it that way until you can't. It becomes like it's sort of flipping that language of. You know, you're saying to me, it's really hard. It's really hard to live these goddess practices. It's really hard to live constantly checking in with myself and turning myself on and tuning in and not taking care of everybody else and not externalizing. And, you know, my answer is it's really hard. It becomes at a certain point in life really hard to keep doing that. In fact, when change happens is when that becomes so painful that a crisis occurs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
a breakdown occurs. <laughs> yeah. And those breakdowns end up being beautiful breakthroughs. Right. But sometimes that is the turning point. The the cycle, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And and I think what this all comes back to is really self-love. Um which I guess masturbation, duh. <laughs> yes. um, but thinking about yourself as like your best friend, um, as cheesy as that sounds. And, and I, I'm the first person to tell you that I've had body image issues for my whole life. I second guess, you know, all of these negative th- treatments of yes. myself. Um, but it's gotten better. And, and after a car accident, you know, it, it sometimes takes that big thing from the universe to shake it all up um but but it doesn't have to so yeah it doesn't have to and and that's you know it's a beautiful thing to notice whether you know our listeners are at this time in their lives feeling that they are I am a I am a hot mess I am in in the middle of a breakdown Mm -hmm. right now that is to me the most amazing exciting perfectly imperfect awesome place to be yeah because it means if we use another metaphor a caterpillar metaphor it means that we're in the goo exactly the the, the the caterpillar once it gets invisible in that chrysalis stage nobody gets to see this and this is an important metaphor too because usually when we're in crisis usually when we're in breakdown we're very isolated we're very lonely. We feel very lonely in crisis because we are. We're in this chrysalis. We're, we're no longer a caterpillar. That got too painful and uncomfortable to keep living that way. We've crawled into this cocoon. And then what happens in this cocoon, you know, this metaphor of darkness, this womb, the, the caterpillar actually has to break down into goo. It has to completely disintegrate. So it's not pretty. <laughs> There's nothing pretty about it. Yeah. We're talking a, a, a process of death and destruction yeah. that happens in darkness and in isolation. But what emerges from that? We all know what emerges from that is the butterfly. And mm-hmm. we all intuitively know because we, we, we know our bodies know the rhythms of nature. We all intuitively know that we're not going to cut open a chrysalis to yank that butterfly out before it's ready. We wait. We allow for that process, that messiness, that goo to happen. We honor it. We respect it by letting it be. And when we allow that process to happen, and one more quick metaphor on the butterfly piece that I just learned, and I was like, oh, that's a good one, is, you know, if you watch a butterfly emerging from a, a, a cocoon, a chrysalis, it's also an ugly struggle. Like it's not this Graceful. crack where light and rainbows and beams shine out and Holy angels chorus. sing and yeah. then here comes the butterfly. Right. There's all of this struggle. There's a tiny hole and then the butterfly very ungracefully slowly pushes through, struggles through this hole. And that too, that ugly struggle is perfectly designed because it forces blood into the wings of the butterfly. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, of right? Of course. And without that struggle, if I were to 
slice that hole open prematurely to, you know, in a good effort to help right. this beautiful butter- butterfly emerge. If I deprive the butterfly of the struggle, it will never fly. Will never fly. So, so isn't that a beautiful wow. metaphor too for ourselves? Be patient. Allow ourselves to be messy. Allow ourselves to be in the goo. Allow ourselves to be in the struggle. We need, we need the struggle. And, you know, as a parent, I can say it's a really powerful parenting metaphor because we want our, our natural tendency is to want to help relieve or alleviate struggle mm-hmm. when our kids are in it. When we see them suffering and struggling, the best thing we can do is honor the struggle. Let them have the struggle. And we can be there. Yeah. Loving them through it. Holding that space. But if we want them to fly, yeah, they need the struggle. Damn. I love that. Lorna, you're amazing. Okay. So wow. Cute. So let's let's finish this up. Let's yeah. put it all together. Um, and, and I know that's impossible because we've just talked for an hour and a half. Um, but Did we? Wow. Yeah. I know. Amazing. Time flies. Um, so could you lead me in a little five minute, or doesn't have to be however long, two minute meditation just sure. to give people Absolutely. a little taste of, well, first let's talk about how people can find Week of Zen. Um, so this is a one week long Yeah, so Week of Zen is a one-week guided meditation course that can be accessed anytime, anywhere. So you can do it anytime you want, any place. You can repeat meditations, come back to them. And, you know, it's really, again, designed for people who've never meditated before, who are brand new to it, and you'll be guided from beginning to end, or for people who have maybe it just never clicked. You know, you've you've done a million different kinds of meditation mm-hmm. and you never had that that feeling yeah. of really dropping into the seat of meditation. Um, you know, I can't promise <laughs> that the way I practice will work for you because different things work for for different people. But this is what has worked for me. This is what I love. And this is my personal practice, um, you know, on a, on a daily basis and in my own life. So signing up for the week of meditation or week of Zen yes. is um, you go to weekofzen.com. Yep. And you put in your info. Yeah. So you can follow us. Um, we do have an Instagram presence if you'd like to follow us there for inspiration and posts. Uh, to sign up for week of Zen, just go to the website. Uh, You can feel free to scroll through lots of great information, my story, Marla's story, uh, tons of Q&A on what you're probably wondering already about meditation and how this all works. Um, And at any point when you're ready to, you got enough information, you're ready to go, just click um, purchase and then you will receive an email immediately guiding you to or linking you to your first meditation. You'll continue to get one email daily throughout the week of Zen, but these are your meditations then to keep. So you can download them or access them forever and ever. Amen. Cool. On the website. Um, and we're we're working on a follow-up offering. So if you love week one, my personal request would, or if you don't, if you love it or if you hate it, yeah. my personal request would be please give us feedback and let let me know what your experience is so that we can you know, really um, make some adjustments and mm-hmm. maybe make our second offering even better. But my hope is that you'll have a great experience and that you will 
be able to take pieces of this and then make meditation your own. Yeah. Create your own empowered practice and someday you'll be able to have this conversation with someone else and say, well, this is what I do. Yeah. And maybe this would work for you too. And you can teach, you know, teach your partner, teach your friends, teach your kids. Let it spread throughout the world because that will make the world a better place. Yes. Okay. So without further ado. Shall we meditate? I hate to put you on the spot, but let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Awesome. So take a comfortable seat wherever you are. If you have tight hips or any discomfort in your back, it is perfectly fine to sit on an elevated cushion or maybe even support your spine by resting against a wall. Some people also feel more comfortable meditating in a chair. So find your comfortable seat, close your eyes, and arrive. Just think and feel that word, arrive. Notice if you perhaps have not yet. Just keep saying the word, arrive, and feel yourself drop into your body, drop into this moment. Feel the groundedness of your seat. Eyes closed and soft, hands can just rest gently on your legs in between your knees and thighs. Feel your body breathing you and simply by relaxing your belly, your pelvis, your core, allow your breath to become naturally deeper, lower, and more relaxing, more easeful. Soften your eyes back, physically feeling your eyes relax in their sockets, and visualizing yourself drop back behind the thinking brain. The same way you would drop to the back row of a movie theater, visualize your brain and your thoughts projecting onto a movie screen. Your brain is that movie screen. You might notice that your thoughts are fast at first. Just keep arriving again and again. Anytime you fall out, arrive again. Keep softening back again. And see if you can drop into that seat Drop back in that movie theater where you can observe your own thoughts. Practice, see if you can, isolate just one thought. Notice it, and then let it go. Let the movie keep scrolling, let the thoughts keep scrolling. The practice is just observing, noticing. So see if you can notice another thought. Look at it and let it go. You might notice some space in between thoughts. So a thought, 
Another thought. Another thought. Space. If you feel those spaces, just see if you can drop in there, into that space, even for just a second. What does that space feel like? Again, this is a practice. Keep arriving. Keep softening back. It's normal to be pulled in and out. Keep practicing noticing thoughts. And notice, even if it's just for a second, how you can do that. How you can observe your own brain working. You can observe your own thoughts. Anything you can observe, you are not. Keep arriving, keep dropping back. Carry that same practice of watching, just holding in stillness and watching, observing to your body. So scan your body and just notice any sensations. And remember, you are the observer here. So the same way you would watch a character on a movie screen, watch, observe yourself. Any physical sensations that come into your awareness, warmth, coolness, places in your body that feel good, possibly discomforts. Just practice not reacting, not moving, not adjusting, but holding stillness and holding that seat of observer. Just watch. Again, this is a practice. You get better at it the more you do it. But notice if even for a second you can have that experience of noticing your own body sensations. Anything you can observe, you are not. Notice what that tells you about your body and all of those sensations. Just staying with this practice a little bit longer. Keep arriving, keep dropping back. And now allow your awareness to observe any emotional energy that may be in or around your experience right now. It's okay if nothing comes into your awareness, just stay with whatever arises, thoughts, sensations. If you are aware of any emotional energy around you, something you may be resisting feeling, or even something that you may be holding within you, notice where emotion may be stuck in resistance or in holding, and just give it the 
attention of your breath, your awareness. Allow that emotion to flow and watch it. Watch it the way you would watch a character on a movie having a beautiful emotional experience. Watch that wave happen. Again, noticing even if it's just briefly how you can observe your own emotional energetic experiences. Letting your body naturally breathing you, just practicing relaxing into a deeper breath, relaxing into the support of your body right here, right now. Take a few more breaths, noticing anything that comes up, thoughts, sensations, emotional energy, just practice softening behind it all, come into the back of that movie theater and just watch it. Exhale, let all of your air out. And when you're ready, big inhale, really feel it. Fill your lungs top to bottom, front to back, opening your heart. Inner flame bright as you exhale, soften. Let your outer body just melt like wax around that inner flame. are the sky. Everything else, it's just the weather. Bringing your hands together at your heart center, if that feels good. Take a moment to bow. Here we just make an offering of this practice, bowing to our own hearts bowing to one another, to all who practice in this way, the divine and the light in me sees the divine and the light in you. And when you come out of meditation, practice how you come out as well. Come back to that softness of the eyes in the back of the sockets. And then when you open your eyes, Imagine or feel the way you would gaze at the flame of a candle, a fire, and feel that soft gaze that allows you to remember that experience of dropping back, of feeling the seat of observer, which is the seat of meditation, the seat of consciousness. And at the same time, have full awareness of all that is before you. All the ecstasy of this body, this moment, this life. And just appreciate 
the ability to dance between those two realms. Open your eyes whenever you're ready. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much, Lorna. That was a trip in the best way. I'm so glad it was trippy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I never thought that I'd be... Orgasmic. A, right? Exa- oh, totally. Um, <laughs> never thought I'd be meditating on the mic. And it, I mean, now maybe you'll do it every day. Oh, my God. Maybe I will. Actually, I will. Not maybe. Thank you so much yeah. for joining me. This Thank you really, so much for having me. Really, really Let's fun. do it again. Oh, absolutely. Um, you can find more information about Week of Zen by going to weekofzen.com. Uh, find out more about Lorna and all of her amazingness. Uh, Lorna Bennett samadas.com i'll include those links on my facebook page lease.fm um thank you so much for joining me best of luck to you and your move thank you i'm gonna miss you but that's why facetime exists um and thank you awesome what are parting words it's a practice yeah all of this it's all a practice and where you are is exactly where you're supposed to be. Thank you. This is Lisa FM. <laughs>